0: Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Welcome to our listeners in Alice Springs. Welcome to our listeners in Adelaide, Canberra, Sydney, Fargaminder, and the list goes on and on and on. Yapoon and the list goes on at Radio Nag. And the list, Mwoolumba, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, uh, it was interesting... Eureka Day was on the 3rd of December. Great day. Lots of people turned up. Good, good outcome. 4am to 10pm. If you missed it this year, don't despair. It's on again next year. 3rd of December. Put it in your calendar. It's very funny, really. Oh, we, It was a great day. A lot of people came up. I mean, the first person who came the furthest to celebrate Eureka Day was from Thailand. And there were people from Tennant Creek. So, you know, people... Now from across the country, understand the importance of the day and uh, came for the day. Uh, now, the Eureka Australia Day medalists, uh, uh, in, in no particular order, uh, there were nine Eureka Australia Day medalists this year. There was, uh, was uh, Councillor Sue Bolton from the Moreland Council in Melbourne. Uh, there was Councillor Jackie Watts from the Melbourne City Council. There was uh, Wednesday Action Group Stalwart, Mr Michael Doran, Activist Extraordinaire, Mr Christopher Mills. That's four. I'll get there. I'll remember them all as I gave them their medal, except for Michael. Um, He gets it later on. There was Sister Rita Hayes uh, from Ballarat, uh, who was given the medal posthumously as she died about a month before, and as she's, uh, you know, a Bridgeline nun, but had been involved in the refugee movement, the West Papua movement, uh, movement to uh, look after the interests of uh, Ballarat's poor, and the list goes on and on. Sister Rita Hayes is uh, well-known in Ballarat. There was uh, Mr Brett Edgerton, who's the the uh, head of the Ballarat and Western Districts Trades Hall, the secretary of the Ballarat and Western Districts Trades Hall. And his medal was basically given to him for transforming the Ballarat tr- tr- Trades Hall at uh, 24 Camp Street in uh, Ballarat from uh, into a community hub, something which Ballarat really needs. Then was Dr Anne Sunterbeggs from Federation University in Ballarat, a well-known uh, Eureka historian, who uh, gave the uh, talk that evening at the annual Eureka Dinner uh, organised by the Reclaim, the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Movement. There was um, another extraordinary activist from Warrnambool, Mr Philip Bull. So I think that's everyone. I think that's everyone. Uh, I think that's Nine. if it isn't, I'll let you know. But uh, hopefully we'll have them up on the uh, AMI website uh, very soon. Now, those of you who came, who took photographs, if you'd like to share those photographs, you can either send them right now or in the next few hours or the next few days or the next few weeks to my um, Facebook page, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, the number four, the public, Toscano for the public, if you're not involved with Facebook, you can always uh, email them to us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com, because we want to put up as many photographs as uh, possible so that other people can share. And I'd like, also like to thank Melbourne's Community Radio 3CR, who broadcast the two-hour opening dawn ceremony from 4am to 6am. And obviously thank all those people who came from all corners of the, of Australia and one or two from overseas to take part in part in the Eureka celebrations. A little bit of a uh, little bit of a bit of bit of a, bit of humour. Um, when we went to the Eureka grave, the mass grave of, of the miners, uh, there was the Eureka flag flying. And the next day, I got a call first thing in the morning before we left Ballarat that uh, the flag had been taken down. So we went back and put up another Eureka flag. So, can I make a suggestion? If you're ever in Ballarat or you live in Ballarat, buy yourself a Eureka flag. Keep it in your glove box or your pocket or your backpack. If you get a chance to visit the old Ballarat Cemetery in Ballarat, just walk up the driveway to the Eureka grave. You can't miss it. If it hasn't got a Eureka flag up, take it out of your backpack, take it out of your pocket and put it up because it would be nice to see a Eureka flag flying over the... uh, Men who pay the ultimate price for our ultimate um, for, for many of the freedoms we enjoy today to um, actually have a little bit of respect in that city, which has chosen to turn its back on the Eureka Rebellion, that was the only negative aspect of the uh, celebrations, which were organised by the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations, which I'm the convener of, and they've been held every year since 2002, and hopefully will be continue to be held for many years to come. The only negative part about it, although it was a Saturday, was how little respect, how little interest was shown by Ballarat's institutions to the Eureka Rebellion. They're quite happy to uh, use the Ballarat symbols, I mean the um, Eureka symbols, to promote their financial bottom line, but when it comes to showing a bit of respect on the 3rd of December. No flags. No flags once again on the main flagpole on the Ballarat City Hall, which is an, once again, being claimed by conservatives in that city since the last election, no flags on people's homes. I mean, the the long walk, as we call it, from uh, the Eureka stockade site back to the Eureka stockade site, is about 13 kilometres, and uh, I think we didn't see one Eureka flag except a little one on part of the town hall, and that was about it. So, uh, and it was fascinating that how few people in Ballarat actually knew it was Eureka Day you now. You know, and you wonder why, you wonder why there are elements in society who are pushing a, a race to the gender can actually claim the flag. And obviously, if there's no interest from the public at large, what do you expect? Listen to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia. In the community a radio network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now we've got, a f- I mean, as you know, words without deeds are really a waste of time. They're not. They're more than a waste of time. Words without deeds breed disillusionment and cynicism. And we've got a lot of words without deeds in our society today. A lot of words, a lot of words by a lot of people being without deeds, without action. So we've got a few more things lined up for this week. I mean the year may be grinding to an end, but here at the Anarchist uh, World this week in Experience Institute, We continue, irrespective of what types of public holidays are up for grabs. Now, a very important event that's occurring will be occurring in Melbourne, outside Parliament House, on Thursday at 11.30am. That's Thursday the 8th of December. It's the last sitting day of State Parliament. Public interests... Sorry... Public interest before corporate interest is coordinating is coordinating an account by defending a campaign, which has been led by defend and extend public housing, and part of that campaign involves a monthly rally when Parliament is sitting outside Parliament House to highlight how important the issue of public housing is. Now we know people are very confused about what is public housing, what is social housing, what is affordable housing, what is community housing, what are public par- public-private public partnerships, and the list goes on and on. And unfortunately for the Andrews-led uh, Labor government, it seems they've taken the eye, the, their eye off the ball and they are pushing very hard for a private-public agenda in terms of public housing and, more importantly, transferring not just the management but the ownership of public housing to the community sector the basic both that profit and not for profit actually transferring uh these uh, these um the ownership of these units and houses and the trouble is once you transfer it to a privately run organization or a privately owned organization whether it's for profit or not for profit You get the same story, it's just another landlord. The security that people enjoy in public housing disappears. But we have seen over the past decade a very vociferous campaign denigrating not just the people who use public housing, but the very concept of public housing. We've seen a vociferous campaign by all the major political parties in terms of destroying the state's responsibility in terms of housing people in Victoria and the rest of the country because the same issue we are facing in Victoria we face in the rest of the country as far as public housing is concerned. It's We've seen the privatisation of public housing you know, all across the country and we've seen the resultant problems because when you privatise public housing it's a little bit like privatising the banks. What little competition exists between the private sector and the public sector disappears and the private sector then has got carte blanche to basically do what it likes. So, see, this issue is not just for people living in public housing or just for people who'd like to live in public housing or who are on public housing waiting lists. This issue of having a strong public housing sector has ramifications for everybody living in this society, whether you're renting, whether you want to buy, and whether you want to buy or can afford to buy or can afford to get into the uh, property market. I mean, that is the issue that a lot of people are facing today. It's becoming more and more difficult to get in to have a roof over your head, whether it's affording a rent, and most people on social security benefits are spending up to 50 to 60% of their income, you know, of their social security benefits in order to have a roof over their, over their heads, whether you find yourself homeless, whether you're in the first home market. And by having a strong Public housing sector, which is publicly owned, publicly managed, publicly run. What you have is you put downward pressure on private rents, especially rents at the lower end of the market, because there's no not such a great need for those buildings, and you also put pressure on investors who will may vacate that end of the market and make it easier for people who are trying to get into the housing market for the first time to get into the housing market. So defending and extending public housing is not just for a small group of uh, Australians. It is something which 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 is something which affects everybody and should be everybody's business. Obviously, the only people who'd like to see the demise of the public housing sector are obviously the invest- investment class, those people who get tax deductions and you know for having more than one home. That's the beauty of living in Australia. If you're trying to get into the property market, you can't use part of your superannuation as a deposit. Yeah, if you're trying to get into the property market, you know, uh you don't get a tax deduction for your mortgage repayments. But if you own one house and you're lucky enough to afford to buy another house because you've got disposable income, well then you get all the tax deductions in the world from negative gearing to many other tax deductions which property owners get. So what we are seeing is a taxation system which is structured in such a way as to reward those who have something. And the more you have, the greater your rewards and punish those who have nothing. All right, let's move on. So this rally will be Thursday, the 8th of December, outside the Victorian State Parliament, Spring Street, 11.30am to 1.30pm. got a number of speakers, but this particular rally is a people's rally. We are very interested in listening to people, because there is an open microphone, to people who are in public housing or community housing or people who are trying to get into the housing market or people who are renting and finding it difficult to see, you know, to share their experiences. Because what we need to do over the next two years, we need to create a political climate in this country which puts housing affordability... And that means a, pub, a strong public housing sector at the forefront of the political debate. Today, it is something which is, you know, brushed aside. People have, you know, they, they use fancy words like community housing, social housing, private public partnerships. And what we are seeing is a shrinking, rapidly shrinking public house housing sector. It's been left to die on the vine, left to die on the vine. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. So the rally, Thursday the 8th of December, 11.30 to 1.30, outside Victorian State Parliament. We understand it's going to be, there's going to be rain and wind. Don't let that deter you. Bring a raincoat, bring a rain hat, turn up on the day support the concept of uh, affordable public housing for uh, everybody. Okay, This is the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia and the community radio network. And why do we support such campaigns? Well, we support such campaigns because it's essential that housing becomes a right, not just a privilege that people who actually can have, who've got a, a disposable income can luxuriate in, but it is a right for every individual in this country. And that's the concept of anarchism. Anarchism is creating a society without rulers, not without rules, because the inequalities in power and wealth, which allow rulers to dictate parliamentary policy, allow rulers to put their interests before the interests of the community as a whole. And if you want to create a community where the people's interest, the individual interest is put before, is put ahead of the interest of that small section of society that owns the means of production distribution, exchange and communication the 1% is, then what you need to do is you need to create a society where power is devolved, shared through direct democratic mechanisms and where wealth is held in common not becomes the personal property of individuals or corporations all right Let's move on Now we do have another event And again it seems to be in Melbourne Well the West Papua Independence Movement Decided that they would set up shop in Melbourne Town Because they believe Melbourne Town Was a uh, radical milieu And obviously they were correct It is a radical milieu Not that I'm saying that There aren't radicals in the rest of Australia But it's a little bit more difficult For a uh, you know, radical activists in the rest of Australia to get anywhere, uh, especially in regional centres and uh, country towns, becomes very, very difficult. There's there's only a few people who are trying to uh, change things. Now, this Sunday, that's the 11th of December, from 1 to 3pm, we'll be having the West Papuan Rent collective end of year gathering and it won't be in the West Papuan office in Docklands which we pay the rent for but it will be held at the Art Gallery of the Australian Catholic University and why the Art Gallery because the West Papuan independence movement is having an exhibition we felt it was appropriate there's a good way people could see the exhibition meet West Papuan activists it'll be held this Sunday on the 11th of December from 1pm to about 3-4pm at the Art Gallery of the Australian Catholic University at 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. So if you're interested in the workings of the West Papua and Rent Collective, if you'd like to become a member of the West Papua and Rent Collective, if you want to try before you buy, before you become a member of the West Papua and Rent Collective, if you're just generally interested in the West Papua independence struggle, open invitation Come along. doesn't matter where you are in Australia. You find yourself in Melbourne on Sunday the 11th of December. Just join us. Free food. Join us. Make a contribution. Bring bring some contribution yourself as far as food and drinks are concerned. But it is an open day. It is one of three open days that the West Papuan um, Independence Movement holds for the West Papuan Rent Collective and its supporters in order to highlight how important the offices is. it is the only official office in the world for the West Papuan independence movement it is in it is in docklands and it is there because people like you and me ordinary people put our money together to pay the rent to ensure that the West Papua independence movement has a hub from which they can work and promote the causes of the West Papuan independence. And if you want to find out how important the important role the office plays in that movement, well, come along on Sunday. 26 Brunswick Street, Brunswick, the Australian Catholic University Art Gallery, which has been used by the West Papuan independence movement for a West Papuan um, art show, and uh, that uh, afternoon lunch. Uh, we can hear reports about uh, progress this year regarding West Papua Independence. Now, now, to join the West Papua Independence Rent Collective is very simple. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to put your hand on your heart. It's just a matter of putting a regular amount in a bank account, Commonwealth Bank bank account, every month. It's a dollar a day. Now, what can you do for a dollar a day? What can you do for a dollar a day? It doesn't matter how difficult things are. You can find a dollar a day. If you can't find a dollar a day, and you meet, and you, you know, you kind of congregate with people every few weeks, we'll ask them to chip in a dollar. So for thirty dollars a month, three hundred and sixty dollars a year, three hundred and sixty-six in the leap year, as they say, you can support the West Papuan Office. We're not there to tell the West Papuans how to conduct their struggle. We are not involved in the running of the office. We are not involved in decision-making processes. What we do is pay the rent to ensure the West Parkland Independence Movement can continue to function. The office is now two and a half years old. Uh, Hopefully it will be there for a few more years and hopefully in the the near future we'll actually have enough uh, resources to actually uh, have a deposit for an office which then can be paid off through the Rent rent Collective. So instead of just using the money to pay rent, we can actually use the money to actually buy the office for the West Parkland Independence Movement. And who knows, when they became independent, maybe it'll be the first uh, site of the first embassy in Australia. So if you'd like to join the West Papua Independence Movement Rent Collective, you can call me at oh four three nine three nine five four eight nine. You can go to the website. Uh, you can send us an email at anarchistage at com, Or much more easily, turn up on Sunday. Turn up, meet people, see what happens, see find out about the role of the office, find out how to become part of the West Parkland Rent Collective. Obviously, people come and go in the Rent Collective. It's important that we make up the numbers because obviously people have other interests. They die, they move on. So we need to keep up those numbers, which is about 70 people, maybe 80, 70 to 80 people uh, donating $30 a month to keep the office functioning. So come along Sunday, the 11th of December, 1pm to about 3, 4pm, lunch included, doesn't cost you a cent, turn up on the day, come to the Art Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Brunswick, meet the activists, look at the art, have a meal, meet members of the Rent Collective, find out what's going on. It's up to you. Hopefully you can join the Rent Collective because we need new members as soon as possible. I mean, things aren't desperate, but they're getting that way. We do need new members. So think about it. Join us. This is the Anticus World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Guess what? Guess what? What am I going to do now? Something I don't think I've ever done in 39 years of broadcasting Well, I think I have, but not this way We're going to talk about AFL football You like that? AFL, not Rugby League, not Soccer, not un- not Rugby Union Not netball, beach, volleyball, athletics You name it, archery, swimming Decathalons, pentathalons you know trail biking the list goes on and on but AFL football and we're going to talk about one little club the Richmond Football Club which has about 70,000 members of which 50,000 can vote now you know that i like to get involved in things you know that i know that and people approach you from many corners of the world and they ask you for advice and then sometimes they ask you to become involved in particular, struggles like public interest before corporate interest was asked to become involved in the struggle, you know, uh, to set up, a defending public housing, defend and extend public housing campaign. Now, I was approached a few days ago regarding the shenanigans that are going on in the Richmond Football Club, It's the AFL club. It looks like they've got an annual general meeting on Wednesday the fourteenth. Of December Which is next week Next week And this particular member was quite agitated He was very agitated And he asked me to come along and visit him And have a chat And he's going to show me all this stuff And I thought Well why not? Why not? Let's have a look And I was fascinated Because there will be On the day On the 14th of December there's going to be a special vote regarding amendments to the club constitution. I can see you all yawning. What's got what's this got to do with anarchism? What's this got to do with the anarchist world this week? What's all this garbage got to do with me? Well let's just hang on. Give me a few minutes to Go through what's happening at the Richmond Football Club. Now, the Richmond Football Club hasn't had much luck on the field since 1980, when I think they won their last premiership under coach Tony Jewell, who was then removed from office the next year. That's Richmond for you. And obviously, I think in the last three years, or well, the last three or four years, they've been in um, three final series, and doesn't matter how high up the ladder they get, they seem to be knocked out in the first game. So, there have been problems with the Richmond Football Club, not just in terms of winning but in terms of culture, in terms of the board, in terms of management. There are ongoing problems. And there's been, and this is where it gets interesting, there's been kind of minor rumblings and revolts in the Richmond Football Club, especially over the last, you know, few years where people are talking about a year one policy, you know, Kemmer Rouge policy, starting again, getting rid of the board, getting rid of the coach, getting rid of everybody and just starting again, starting from ground zero. And there's been a lot of rumblings. Now, when you look at the constitution of the Richmond Football Club, if a 100 members of the club sign a petition that they want an extraordinary general meeting to discuss an issue... The club is forced through its constitutional arrangements to hold that annual general meeting. So it's a mechanism by which members of the club can bring to heel the board of the Richmond Football Club or management if they are concerned in between elections, if they are concerned regarding the management and the policies which have been pursued by the Richmond Football Club. It is, a, it is a little democratic anomaly because most clubs don't have these democratic anomalies. They're basically creatures of the board and the membership is there just to pump in cash into the club. That's all the membership is there for. But in the Richmond Football Club, if 100 members of the club sign a petition that they're unhappy about a particular issue, they can call for an extraordinary general meeting. So this little, you know, uh, bylaw in the club's constitution is a constant irritation for, for the board, for the current board, for past boards and for future boards because it means the board, which is elected by the membership, is accountable to the membership in between elections. And the way board elections are held, they don't actually have a... Uh, it's interesting, board elections are held in in the Richmond Football Club and most football clubs, the whole membership doesn't come up, board membership doesn't come up for re-election every year. You find that two members or three members come up for re-election every year and that means that the faction which has in control continues to maintain control and that's why it's difficult to get cultural change or um, major changes in any AFL club. But theoretically, the Richmond Football Club is there for its members. It belongs to its members who elect a board who then have the power through this bylaw that if 100 members are unhappy, they can call an extraordinary general meeting to put the board under pressure. Okay? So what do you think? Now, I know you're into conspiracy theories. I'm not. What do you think the special amendments to the club constitution, what do you think the special business will be? You guessed it. The board has put up a motion to alter the club constitution of the Richmond Football Club to overturn that bylaw and replace it with a bylaw which says that you need 10% of the membership to support a particular issue before you can call an extraordinary general meeting. So here we have a democratic mechanism by which to keep the board to account in between elections is going to be overturned in order to allow the board to have complete control over the Richmond Football Club. So, if the current bylaw gets through, the current amendment in the gets through at the AGM on the uh, four, Wednesday, the fourteenth of December. What it means is, you will need two and a half thousand members. Two and a half thousand members minimum to call an extraordinary general meeting. Not a hundred. So the only democratic element in the club that's remained in its constitutional framework will be removed. And I can assure you there are members of the Richmond Football Club who are pissed off. And they're so pissed off that I'm holding in my hand a proxy because you've guessed it. You've guessed it. You don't have to be a member of the Richmond Football Club to hold a member's proxy. So yours truly will be going to the meeting at 6pm at the Richmond Football Club at uh, Punt Road Oval on Wednesday the 14th of December. Whether I'm able to speak or not, who knows, we'll find out on the day. But I've got a proxy in my little hand which says this particular member, I'm calling John, is unhappy... With the amendments to the club constitution Is against the amendments to the club constitution So The reason I'm looking at this is This is what's happening in organisations Around the country Whether they're Organisations that are listed On the Australian Stock Exchange Whether they are organisations Which are privately won And not for profit Whether they're political parties And the list goes on and on We are seeing a centralization of power in an executive, and all the checks and balances which have been established over decades to ensure that the organisation represents the interests of its members are being removed to enhance the power of a central executive, and we are seeing this across this country and if you want to extrapolate what's happened with the Richmond Football Club with just what happened with the election the the elections in Italy I mean the vote in Italy regarding constitutional change it's the same exactly the same issue the question which was put to the Australian to the Italian people the constitutional question was a change to the Constitution to make the Italian Senate a rubber stamp in order to centralise power in the cabinet and the executive. That's what the election in Italy was about. Forget about this pro-common market and against the common market and pro-European Union and against the European Union. The five-star movement, which is a political party which is very similar to the type of political party we are trying to create here in Australia, public interest before corporate interests, ran on the issue of opposing. Now, these people are not racists. They're not your usual, you know, they're not your usual bre- retic's voter. This is a left-wing movement. And what they opposed was the centralisation of power in an executive The Italian Constitution, which was voted in by the Italian people after the war in 1948, ensured there was power was shared that both the lower house, the senate, the president all had some power, but not one side didn't actually have absolute power. So think about it. So it's the same principle, the same principle as our good mate, President-elect, Donald Groper, D. Groper, Donald Groper. Think about it. The American Constitution was structured in such a way as to ensure, although the President has an extraordinary amount of power, that power is not absolute. And although he may have a majority in both Congress and the Senate, that power is not absolute. So there are institutional structures which ensure that power is devolved and shared because the dilemma is that when people have absolute power, they have absolute control. And if they have absolute control, we will see the Stalins, Pol Potts and Hitlers of the world raise their ugly heads again and again and again and again as we're seen around the universe. Well, the known universe, planet Earth. So think about it. These are struggles about removing inhibitions, removing structural inhibitions to the centralisation of power. So why would the Italian people allow power to be concentrated in the hands of the executive, government executive, government cabinet? Why would they? Obviously, this particular constitutional arrangement was doomed to fail. It's like people complain to me, well, there's no point having a referendum in Australia because ref ninety percent of referendums aren't aren't passed. But when you look at referendums in Australia and I'll talk about that at a later date, you will find that most of the referendums that have failed are referendums which give power to the government of the day or parliament. It's about concentrating power, centralising power. And the anarchist struggle and the democratic struggle is about decentralising power, breaking down hierarchies, introducing direct democratic concepts, giving people the ability to define and redefine what are the issues of the day. And what we're seeing around the world is a reaction to this concentration of power which is seen the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation and globalisation network extend its power around the globe. Think about it. So this little struggle in the Richmond Football Club, the AFL Football Club, which is based in Melbourne, is a microcosm of what's happening around the world where people are saying, no more concentration of power. But the dilemma is, that on the wider political front is what we are seeing as we are seeing with increasing insecurity. What we are seeing is forces which blame the other, you know, the other person, the Muslim, the black, the Aborigine, the gay person, that woman, you know, the other as the problem. And if we get rid of the other, there's going to be no problems. The problems that we face today are not due to the influence that the other has, or so-called political correctness. The problems we face today are based on the idea that power needs to be centralised, that power should be in the hands of a small group of people. And what we are seeing is the usurpation of the parliamentary process. What we are seeing is extra-parliamentary organisations that are so powerful because they own such significant elements of the economy and control the economy, setting the parliamentary agenda. Not in terms of saying, you must do this, but in terms of saying that if you don't do this, we will sink you. We will destroy you. And that's why so many people have been left behind in 2016. On planet Earth Because of this concentration of power And as an anarchist It's the first thing That you rail against And you argue against Is the concentration of power You need democratic processes Processes by which power is devolved Whether it's through direct democratic mechanisms Whether it's through other mechanisms That's the answer to the issues we face today Because What we've done over the last 40 years, we have allowed the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution to go full speed ahead. We have not willing to put our foot out to trip over these people because we've been waiting for pie in the sky, been waiting for that great moment when that wealth trickles down to everyone. And what we are seeing is the diametrically opposed experience for an increasing number of people. And we are seeing increasing social dislocation. I mean, Melbourne may be the world's most livable city, but it doesn't mean much in terms of what's actually happening on the ground. It doesn't mean much when people say, well, Australia's a great place. When you see those things that have made and continue to make Australia a great place being destroyed by political, social and cultural movements that one blame the other and two, are not willing to challenge the corporate sector, are not willing to say the problems we face today as a community... And as individuals, many of the problems we face today are directly related to the concentration of power and wealth in the hands of a small number of individuals and corporations. When you have 72 people owning half the world's wealth, or was it 62, owning half the world's wealth, you know that you've got a problem. When you've got one person in Australia one person in Australia having more wealth than 1.5 million people, Australians, you begin to understand there's an issue. When you see with your own eyes the increasing difficulties that we're having as a community in terms of many issues, you begin to see that what's happening today is unacceptable. Now, pain and oppression can either be internalised or externalised. And the increasing levels of unhappiness, anxiety, depression, domestic violence, crime, can be laid at the door Of what's happening in our community today You can either internalise your reaction And take it out on yourself You can blame yourself And you see, as I said before Increasing levels of anxiety and depression And psychogenic illnesses In the community People take it out on themselves It's my fault, I'm not good enough My body's not good enough I don't speak well enough I'm not tall enough, I'm not short enough, I'm not I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, and the list goes on and on. It's all my fault. It's all about me, 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 me. It's all my fault that things aren't going right. I'm just a member of a, you know, this amorphous community of individuals. And what we are seeing is the collective the collective pain that is being experienced by the community, and that collective pain is increasing. Under every statistical indicator, it is increasing. And then we have externalisation. Externalisation. If you don't internalise it, or you can do both, you see increased levels of domestic violence. You see increased violence in the community. You see increased frustration and anger. Levels of complaints soar and become the complaining society. You see political you see dissatisfaction with the political process. You see people, you know, jumping on the coattails of political parties and social movements which blame the other for their current dilemma. And you see that all around the community. It's a divided nation. Don't call one nation one nation. You're an idiot if you call one nation one nation. They call divided nation because that's their tactic. Divide, 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 divide. Divided nation. And don't think, and don't think that you're going to have to see some solution from the Liberal National Party or the Greens or the ALP. To many in many instances, they are the problem. So we do need the establishment of a new political culture, a political culture which is based on the concept of devolving power and sharing wealth. And that's what public interest before corporate interest is about. And this organisation was formed in April two thousand and fifteen, and it is our intention to form a political party and register a political party at the federal level. But in order to do so, we need members. We need members who are on the electoral roll. That's the law. We need members. Now, it is one thing for me to rail and rant, you know, down this trail, but I, I'm not just. You know, I'm not interested in railing and ranting. What I'm interested in is in deeds. What I'm I'm interested in is people becoming activists. What I'm interested in is people doing things. That's what I'm interested in. Words without deeds are not only useless, they're counterproductive because they increase cynicism in the community and they increase personal angst and create that feeling of hopelessness, that you can't change anything. It's all the same. You can't fight City Hall. Nothing will ever change. And that's the issue that we face every day of our lives. Am I going to do something or I'm going to do nothing? So when you listen to the anarchist world this week, we create various structures. We assist to create various structures. We create various activities to allow those words to become deeds. And there are many things that we organise during the year. Some are historically based. Some are about trying to form a political party like public interest before corporate interest. Some are about direct action. Some are about creating and supporting social and political movements. But ultimately, change doesn't come from you beating your head against a brick wall and saying, woe is me. Change doesn't come From being a click activist extraordinaire, all you do is get RSI. Change doesn't come by working up the right channels. Change doesn't come by waiting for wealth to trickle down to you from those who exercise power over you. Change doesn't come through prayer or through willingness to change, things to change. It comes through action. And those actions are derived from words. And although words are important in the initial stages of a campaign, the actions supersede the words. And those actions need to be supported by people. If they're not supported by people, they wither and die on the vine. And it would be a pity to see organisations which we have assisted which we have created or assisted to form, to wither on the vine because of a lack of public interest. And that lack of public interest is ultimately, ultimately, due to the cynicism which exists that change is impossible. That struggle leads nowhere. Now, if we all had that attitude since time immemorial, not one of the things that You enjoy today Not one of the freedoms and liberties Not one of the economic uh, Things you enjoy today Not one of the social security benefits You enjoy today Not the security that you enjoy today Would be here And it is here because people like you And me were willing to say Enough is enough Change is no longer it's It's just not necessary But it is essential It is critical I mean, I had to laugh today when I heard that the Liberal National Party government is never, 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 never never going to think of a carbon tax because it's bad for business. I rushed down to the basement and I started to create a starship. And then I thought, well, maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe in 50 to 100 years' time there won't be any people left on the planet because we were so stupid and ignorant. And it's all gone like the dinosaurs. And maybe you know, some other life form will be looking at our skeletons and trying to piece together what actually happened on planet Earth you know, in 2154 when it all came to an end. Maybe. Who knows? So there are issues we're involved in, things we're creating... And future issues. And to me, the most important future issue will be a living wage, the concept of a living wage. Why do I say that? Because in Australia, if you look at the statistical indicators, we no longer need people to create goods and services. An increasing number of manufacturing elements, Communication elements are being done by computers, are being mechanised. If you go to a car manufacturing plant today, it is diametrically opposed and different to what a car manufacturing plant looked 20 years ago. And the difference is the amount of people involved. And in every field of human endeavour, we are seeing the same issue. Where the machines are coming where the machines are going to play an increasingly important role. But the dilemma is for a capitalist society, or any society, is if people don't have the assets to consume, it grinds to a halt. So the concept of a living wage becomes critical. That struggle for a living wage becomes critical in any future political discourse and discussion. The struggle for a living wage, irrespective of what you do, who you are, etc., you could get rid of all social security benefits and have a living wage for everybody. Because you've got a living wage, it allows you partici- to participate in society, but it doesn't mean you actually need to be involved in the workforce. Because we have so few, so many people, and so few jobs, and there'll be less and less and less jobs, and a capitalist economy. Is based on the concept of you working so you can purchase goods and services which are created by that economy. Goods and services which are not necessarily based on the satisfaction of real human needs, but goods and services which are based on the create, you know, to create ever increasing profits, irrespective of the social, political, cultural, environmental harm. So that's a dilemma. A living wage. This will be the next big. Political, social, cultural question that we need to face as a community You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network My name's Joseph Toscano and I'm hosting today's program If you want to write to me and apologies to those people who have written recently Because I haven't responded, I will respond tonight You can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. And if you can send us some $1 stamps, that would be nice because we do need them because we do a lot of writing. You can call us and leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. If you want to join PIPSI Public Interest before Corporate Interest, go to net. Download the application form, Pibci, PIBCI, Download the application form and uh, join us, okay? If you want to go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, for the public, the number for the public, Toscano for the public. As I said, if you went to Eureka, post the page. Come to the, um, go to the our public, in, go to the, uh, public housing. Defend and extend public housing. Facebook page. Defend and extend public housing. Come along to the rally, Thursday, the eighth of December, eleven thirty a.m. to one thirty p.m. outside Parliament House, Victorian Parliament House, Spring Street, Melbourne. It's going to be raining. Bring a raincoat. We're not cancelling the rally. Stuff the rain. Turn up. If the hail comes, we can suck on the hailstones. You can, um, as I said. Today, the big thing: join PIPC. Ring me, send you out an application form. Write to us; we'll send you out an application form. Download it from the website: pipc dot net, p i b c i dot net. As I said before, you can you can you can complain or you can act. It's up to you. What you do is your business. But I do say to you that if you got you know you want our humanity to continue to exist, you're concerned about your kids and grandkids. Join Pipsy, join today. Listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the community radio network next week. Evil minds that plot destruction
1: Sorcerer of
0: death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist wall this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds oh, Lord, yeah.